live. Hello and welcome to the Benefit of a Doubt podcast. And as is usual for this podcast, shit is just blowing up right from the start. Joining me, though, <laughs> is Mr. Nick Sutrick from Android Central. And the reason he is here is because this is a, a relatively new segment for the Benefit of a Doubt podcast. This is called When in Doubt, Ask the Expert. So we are talking to Nick Sutrick, who is the VRist, VR person that I know. And we're talking the Apple Vision Pro. Nick Sutrick, how are you doing today? Phenomenal. How about yourself? <laughs> I'm doing better than this podcast is, which is <laughs> which is a fairly low bar. Um, by the way, congratulations, we just did our clap. So <laughs> All right, there we go. <sighs> anyway. So uh Apple finally unveiled the Apple Vision Pro that is uh, Apple's VR AR spatial computing headset. Uh, last was it last week, two weeks ago. I kind of lost track. No, it was two weeks ago. It was the At, last week? Was it the, last Cause week? Because the okay. Quest Three was eleven days ago now. So yeah, this was seven, seven or eight days ago. Okay, well, time has no meaning. Yes, Um, it's it's in the last two weeks, whatever. Recently, that's good enough, uh, at WWDC, and it looks pretty snazzy. And so I wanted to just start off, I know you weren't at the the event, but you have watched it, you're you're kind of up to speed. I just wanted to start off by getting kind of like your... Your, your high-level view of the Vision Pro, what it is, what it will mean, and whether or not it plays Beat Saber. <laughs> That's a great question at the end. Yes, it really is. Um, I don't know the answer to that one, so we'll have hmm. to wait and see. I would right. say, though, uh, if history is any indication, then if they can put Beat Saber on this thing, they will, because right. they put it on every other headset in existence. So there's, there's that. Um Yes, so the headset. Uh, don't call it a VR headset, I guess, because I don't think Apple used the words VR. Maybe they used AR. I don't know. I don't know. But, yeah, it was. It was. They were not. They were not um, <laughs> explicit about it. Let's just put it they, that way. They were very Apple-like in their terms. So um, they used spatial computing, I think, as the main sort of descriptor of the headset, right? Yeah, um, which they kind of had to. Yeah, <laughs> like really, which, which is fine, honestly. I mean, ba- based on what they showed off, yes, I I kind of feel like this is geared toward more of a spatial computer uh, aspect versus being a VR headset that does everything, right? And and of course, it can right. do everything. It's there's, there's no reason it can't do anything that you know the Quest can't do or whatever, other than mm-hmm. the fact that there are no controllers and. I think that's kind of what makes this one of the more interesting headsets to ever come out because when you buy this thing, uh, you've got the headset, you've got the external battery, which fits in your pocket or whatever, right? Which is a mm-hmm. fun fun design we could talk about in a bit. And yeah. then you have the fact that it completely relies on your hands. And I think that's where Apple, aside from the processing power and quality of components, is really going to set itself apart because Absolutely. While, yeah, while, while the Quest can and has been doing hand tracking for a long time um apple sort of went back to the drawing board and said okay we don't necessarily want to be doing this you know pinching making a laser pointer with our palm like tony stark or whatever right like it it kind of looks cool in a movie but when you're doing this for 20 minutes 30 minutes your arms are kind of like i don't (laughs) i don't want to do this anymore i kind of want to like hang down here 
I so, don't even like painting walls, but yeah, I get, yeah. <laughs> right. So they, in most of the presentation, somebody was sitting, usually in a couch or a chair, and they had their hands in their lap. And the entire UI, exactly, was mm-hmm. controlled by their eyes. And then to select something, they simply just, you know, tap their index finger and their thumb together or ring finger right and thumb together, whatever. Right yeah, now. just a little, little quick pinch. <laughs> And yep. I I loved the one. There was some some little meme that somebody put out where all the the pictures of uh, Apple's you know controls are are somebody doing this where it's like the circle game where you got to get somebody. Hey, look look over here. Look at the circle. Like, oh right, <laughs> that stupid thing from I don't know how long ago. But yeah, like all the pictures have that dumb little you know. Here's the tap that you that you do with your uh, your fingers. Um, and I think that was really interesting because. While we've seen eye tracking in headsets like the PSVR 2, you know, that's in conjunction with, again, holding your hands out, holding a controller, doing something like that. Um, Like in in the Horizon game on the PSVR 2, you look at the menus, you know, it it actually will aim assist your bow based on where you're looking. So there is already stuff like that in the industry, but I think the mix of this being the actual full... UI experience, plus the fact that you can just rest your hands in your lap and do it. So it makes it feel a bit more natural because it just kind of feels like you're looking around, you know, grabbing stuff. And you can also pinch to zoom. Um, You can rotate things. Like, they have a lot more hand-based interaction than we've seen on a Quest headset, where it's typically just, again, point, click. Now, you know, now Quest has direct touch, so you can touch things like they're a virtual button. Okay. Um, but it's the same kind of thing, right? It's all like touch, tap, select. That's mainly the interaction. There's a little bit of dragging, but for the most part, Apple kind of went in a little deeper, made it a little more natural, um, and that's that's kind of the most interesting aspect, I think, of the headset. Yeah, and I think what's what 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 I found to be interesting was the fact that there are no controllers by design, like from the jump. Right. Apple said no controllers. I mean like all the other as far as i know and and please tell me if i'm wrong because i haven't been keeping up with vr as much as i used to um but like most if not all other headsets have controllers but you can also use your hands if you want to is that kind of yeah i i I wouldn't say hand tracking is quite as common as controllers but yeah every headset has controllers to to one degree or another just because you know, at this point, that has been the the best way to provide a, a high fidelity experience without, you know, compromising. I, right. I guess the only compromise is if you stick your controller behind your head, it can't see it anymore. But what's the difference there between your hand and your, a controller? Right, exactly. <laughs> so, and so, so that doesn't fix it, that. It seems like Apple has the utmost confidence in this in this hand tracking solution, which I mean, based on the demos and you know, not only what they showed on stage, but you know, a lot of a lot of uh, reporters, uh, Marquez Brownlee and uh, Joanna Stern, uh, among them, had a chance to use this for like half an hour, and it was a it was a guided meditation type of <laughs> type sure. of demo. Like, now click on this thing here and nothing else, or we will cut you. <laughs> um, you know, right. uh, so like you know, they they were able to do it, but at the same time, you know, from what they described, it was like. I mean, they, you know, and these are reviewers that we're talking here are using words like amazing and impressive and like the best I've ever seen. So it, 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 
it, it seems like Apple did what Apple does, which is to say they they took a concept that, and when I say they, I mean it. It took a concept that has been around for years and then appled the hell out of it. Yep. And said, um, it's kind of like the ending of Clue, where the the movie Clue, where it says, um, here's what could have happened, but this is what actually happened. Like It's like Apple just kind of said, here's what it's supposed to be like. And it seems like just, I mean, from my perspective, it seemed like Apple answered a lot of those pain points that VR headsets have had up until up until now like for example yeah. um you know i i've long said that i would much rather have a headset that i could see through and then like when i play a game now i will turn it off you right. know um yeah. or i would rather have uh you know i would be able to rather use my hands rather than you know controllers which you know batteries can die and stuff like that you know you're in the middle of a beat saber game and suddenly one of your lightsabers like flies away because right. the battery in the controller died and you're like well what do i do now oh i lose okay that's good uh <laughs> you know so like it, it apple seemed to address a lot of those a lot of those pain points yeah and and i also think ui design is um a huge thing because mm-hmm. they released a 20 minute video i don't know if you've had a chance to see that or not yet but um, oh yeah you know if, if you watch that thing they go through seemingly every facet you could possibly imagine mm-hmm. um as far as ui design goes and you know that's that's something apple typically does very well is ui design um it, right. it, even if you don't like their ui design they are incredibly consistent with it which right. I think is is more important maybe than the design itself, because mm-hmm. even if you have something that you know maybe only half the people like, as long as you keep the same buttons in the same place, you'll get used to it, and then people will just you know whatever here it is, this is what it is, this is right. you know I, you never wonder where to find it, and I know Facebook users out there I feel like can relate to this especially because Meta has done the same thing with the Quest where every I don't know two months something like that the UI drastically changes. Like, how many years in the, you know, 2010s did Facebook completely change overnight with no announcement, right? Like, you would just wake up and be like, oh, Facebook looks like it was made by a different company today. Right. You know, there's a lot of that that happens with Quest, too. You'll get a Mm. new firmware update, and you're like, where where did all of the settings go? Oh, they're in this little thing down here now. You know, and it, there's a lot of that that they like to do. They like to experiment with UIs. Yeah. And I don't think they're as good at testing and developing concepts and then sticking with those concepts as right. Apple does. And and it's kind of the same way that Google was for a long time until they finally developed Material U and they finally developed some of these concepts that they're sticking with, right? Where they yeah, would be like, yeah. oh, well, this Google app has a slide-out menu on the left. And this one has a little menu on the top right where you click your profile picture. And, you know, like, this one has buttons on the bottom. So it's it's the same kind of idea where Apple's UI is saying, this is where the buttons go. This is where the slide thing goes. You know, like, they have these very specific set of guidelines that they want everyone to follow. And more than likely, they're going to be really strict about this when the headset first right. comes out. And, and they're going to the make sure people is... follow them. And by the way, this is always where this button is going to go, and this is always how this slide is going to work. And uh, yeah, I would say you know Apple tends to evolve concepts more than you know flip over the buffet table every now every now and then. Right. I mean, look at look at the iPhone home screen. You know, outside of widgets, 
it looks identical to when the iPhone originally launched uh, back in 2007. Yeah, 2007, 2008, use, 2007. Yeah, <laughs> I still don't use widgets on my iPhone home screen. <laughs> there you go. So that's and that's it. You've been conditioned to not use them for so long that once they added them, you're like, "What is this? What do I want right. this? What What is this crap?" Right. So I wanted to I wanted to address like there's a couple of different points that I wanted to I want to make sure that we talk about and let's go ahead and use this opportunity to jump over to the battery. Um, one of the pain points that Apple did correctly, if you ask me, was to offload the weight of the battery into your back pocket. Of course, it did it in a very Apple-y way because, yeah, I happened to notice in like the split second that they showed the battery and the cable, that's that's a that's an Apple <laughs> that's an Apple cable right there. Like, right. now I didn't I didn't see how the cable actually attached to the headset. Like, it's very possible there's a USB C plug up here or something like that. My my point is, you're stuck with the battery that Apple gives you. You can't take like a it's like a proprietary a, like connection. Yes, a twenty thousand watt, you know, a twenty thousand right. milliamp hour, and suddenly have a five a five hour headset. Uh, in fact, you know what? Before we get into the battery, can I just address the most ridiculous thing that Apple said in that entire presentation? Let's hear at, it. At at um, one hour and forty nine minutes, I wrote it down, and I don't have the <laughs> I don't have it with me. Apple said the headset will last for two hours on battery and is set up for all day use when plugged in. Well, yeah, that's how plugged in works, Apple. Um, but anyway, this this is the uh, coffee is hot when you get it from McDonald's. Oh my god, it, it is the ultimate coffee is hot, and it was yeah, like one hour, okay. one hour forty nine minutes. You look it up because they actually said that. Yes, right. this headset lasts all day when it's plugged in. I, I remember uh, seeing that. I kind of laughed too. God. Now I, with with the battery, um, that was a legit spit take for me. By the no, way. no, I, I get it. I get it. With the battery, um, far as I know, the battery has a charging port on it. So you okay. could plug another one of those USB banks. Into oh it yeah, and theoretically and it's probably get through as well. You know, six, eight, whatever hours out of the thing, you put a giant power bank on it. Yeah, yeah, which, yeah. Which yeah. I guess is the same as plugging it in, right? <laughs> right, exactly. At, so yeah, I'm sure point. it has passed through because obviously it has the capability of plugging in because Apple went to great lengths to point that out during right. the presentation and sounds stupid doing it. But anyway, um, but yeah, I would I would love to be able to use just any battery and plug it in, but I'm sure Apple probably has a reason as to why you have to use its proprietary BS. But Have, uh, have you ever yeah. seen the reports of uh, Quest power ports frying on Reddit or any of those? No, no. So this... This happens, and I'm I'm pretty sure this is why they they wanted to go with a connector like this, and a lot of it is because somebody buys a cable that is the wrong USB C cable, and we all know how USB C is. Yeah, you, know, you, they, you get some cables that just they're not the same as other cables. I don't know. What we the put deal the is. universal into universal serial. Yeah. Bus. So USB C, as much as I love it, can be um, you know a bit Maddening? problematic, especially with power. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, different power banks deliver different, you know, voltage rates and stuff. I don't know what how much this thing accepts, but, you know, it's probably something similar to a phone, 25, 30 watts, something like that. Yeah. So, you know, I would say it's more for safety and making sure that your $3,500 headset doesn't uh, have a fried Fry. port. <laughs> right. Right. That's important. Right. 
That's important. Yeah, for sure. And and like, you know, I, I know uh, sort of the joke when the Quest Pro came out was, hey, if this happens to your Quest Pro, at least you could still dock it and charge it because it has the pogo pins on the bottom. But mm. uh, as far as I know, this thing doesn't have any such pins. I believe you are correct. And even if it did, <laughs> that it would still need to get power from the battery. Or right, still, so you're just host. Power. Yeah, you're just host. Yeah, that's, um, because that's, that's not Quest something you Pro, ever want happening. <laughs> The Quest Pro has an integrated battery, correct? Correct. Yeah, it's yeah. it's in it's in the back of the head strap. It's actually like a you can't well, I'm sure you could take the head strap off if you really wanted to, but you're not right. really supposed to take the head strap off and part of that is that the battery is integrated into the back and it has wires that run through the whole thing, blah blah blah, you know. And it's kind of like a counterbalance. Okay. So that's probably yeah. also a smart way to do it. Um but yeah, personally I'm cuz uh the DJI Avada, I don't know if you've had a chance to play with that, but that's the uh the first person view um yes. drone. Yes. I have not used um, that, but I know what you're talking about. Oh, it's so neat. But anyway, <laughs> um, that also has the battery that you like stick into a pocket, and it just it makes the headset itself like incredibly light, which is just lovely to play with. Yes, um, yeah, and I mean on on that note, I know people have still said that that the Vision Pro is heavy because Apple went with aluminum and glass for its construction. Right, which... <laughs> right. Which okay. Um, I mean, I, I guess it feels like it's thirty five hundred dollars, and at least you know. Yeah, yeah. So there's that. Um, and and then the other thing that I, the the other real like a signal flare that I wanted to talk about was the uh, what do they call it the eye contact the eye viewed eyesight. eye contact eyesight eyesight so basically um, despite what all the YouTube thumbnails look like um, this uh, you can't actually see a person's eyes through the headset it is opaque but what Apple is doing is projecting an image of their eyes onto a screen on the front of the on the front of the headset so that you can make eye eye contact right. with the, I'm using air quotes there for people listening um, you can make eye contact with the people on the outside and the outside people can make eye contact with you <laughs> not to put too fine a point on it but is this a waste of money <laughs> I mean honestly like it, 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 what's the what's the value here aside from like social acceptance I don't know how I feel about it, to be fair. I, I think this is one of those things that we're going to have to use long term mm-hmm. and see, because I know there have been plenty of people, uh, I think Marcus was one that's regularly said it was creepy in his video, right? Well, didn't he say oh, that okay. a few times? Yeah, he, he was yeah. just like, it's that weird, sounds... it's creepy, or something like that. It's something along those lines, right? Like, this is not necessarily what I wanted. Um, I, so... And then, yeah, go ahead. I'm just gonna I just just to pause on that. I think it's only creepy because you know how it's being done. Maybe like to anybody else, it probably looks like you're just wearing ski goggles and you can see their eyes coming through it. But I think like as a tech reviewer, as a tech person, and you and I obviously as well, I think we know that there's technology involved with like basically replicating someone's face onto an outside screen. Yeah, th- once you say it like that, it does kind of sound creepy. But I would I would argue that to a layman, it's probably not that creepy at all. It probably just looks like someone's wearing ski goggles. And that's probably part of the reason, in fact, a bulk of the reason why Apple did that. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I think this mm. also plays pretty well to like futurist visions of things, right? I mean, if you watch sci-fi movies and they're wearing 
some sort of visor. I don't know. I mean, you can name any sci-fi movie that has these. All of them have some form of them, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, It doesn't feel... I mean, sorry, it feels like it's straight out of something like that, right? Yeah. Like, it doesn't feel too far removed from a movie. And I think that's that's kind of cool because, you know, one of the things, I don't know if you noticed this, but um, as a VR fan, I like Ready Player One. Like, I think plenty of people who aren't VR fans probably did too. But um, right. there was there's that one sort of iconic shot in it where, it, like, the camera kind of, like, pans around to his face right, as he's putting the headset on and it kind of, you know, zooms into the headset. And they did... Okay. They did shot for shot that exact thing in the Division Pro unveiling. Oh, did and they? I, okay. I have a side by side I can send you to that somebody put together and was like, check out how close this is. Oh, that's awesome. And like they went out <laughs> of their way to make this look Hollywood, right? Like that they is want cool. this to be attractive. Yeah. And, you know, we still have technology limitations with this stuff. Like you still have to cram a laptop's worth of electronics into a headset on your face. <laughs> right, right. There's only so much size reduction you can do, so they had to mm-hmm. you know, kind of go out of their way to do something like this that makes it uh, maybe a little more visually appealing if you're going to walk around with it. And I don't, I don't know how many people are going to walk around with this because they didn't show anybody moving around in their presentation. Everybody was sitting, right? Or if they well, were standing, they weren't really moving. They weren't, yeah, they weren't, like, going for a jog or anything like that. Yeah. Right, but, and, okay. Here yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think that's the use case. I, I you know, I think this is Not for... Not right now. I think this is for when you get home and you want to put your computer on your face. I think that's basically what it what it boils down to. Yeah, and, and I know... Or when you I would, put your phone on your face, I should say. Right, exactly. <laughs> and I know I would love to use something this robust regularly um you know maybe not at my desk every day but especially when i'm traveling if i go sit upstairs on my couch to work you know like there's there's several situations where i would love to use this instead of craning my head down at a laptop on Mm -hmm. you know either actually my lap or on a lap desk of some kind right like you still get that neck fatigue from doing that and I yeah. think kind of the point of this is is to provide something that doesn't give you neck fatigue. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, like Lenovo does a similar thing with the Think Reality, or the Think uh, Think Reality, I think is what they're called, the glasses um, that you can like wear and plug into your computer and have like three virtual displays in front of you. Right. Um, and, and there's there's a yeah. lot of AR companies that do this too, like Nreal, who has rebranded to Xreal recently. Um, okay. Has you know the the and I guess it's Xreal Light and Xreal Air now. Um, you have TCL has their NXT wear glasses oh, yeah. that are kind of the same thing. Like there, there are a lot of companies that do this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I, I guess to the point of that one article I wrote, it's like everything that Apple showed off was everything that we've already seen, right? There was right. really nothing new per se in their presentation. A lot of right. it is in the way they presented it, which is, I mean, how many how many WWDCs do we say this at anyway? Insert product here, you know, has been doing this for eight years. Now Apple's right. finally oh, doing sure. it. <laughs> like, I wrote an editorial. This is, back this is how Apple works. <laughs> I wrote an editorial on that back in 2014, and I still quote it every year. Right? Yeah, <laughs> because it's the same thing every year. It's it's always. I shouldn't say always. It is typically somebody else did this first. Now Apple's jumping on board, but the difference normally is Apple does it better. Right. You know, right. Or and, Apple does in a way that works incredibly well with other Apple products. 
Right. That's that's a very important caveat that you yes, tacked on. To yes, again. because that's that's another thing that this does really well is like, you know, they showed off in, in their presentation that you can just look at your MacBook Pro and oh boom, your MacBook Pro screen is now two hundred inches in front of your face virtually. Right. Right. You know, and and we found out after the fact that you can also do that with your iPhone and your iPad. If they're all using the same Apple IDs, all you have to do is look at your device, your Apple device, and the screen now virtually appears in your headset, and you can use it that way. Oh, I thought you meant like if you point your your iPhone at your MacBook screen, you can get what's no, on your no, MacBook. No, 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 I'm sorry. What? In, when in did that headset. happen? <laughs> <laughs> no. What the hell? Hey, you know what? They might be doing that eventually with some of this stuff. I mean, they, these things are all, all deep hooks within all of their software, so I don't... I don't see why they wouldn't do some of it at least. So, um, yeah. Let's let's spend the, the the remainder of our time talking about this concept of spatial computing, which I think. So so like, arguably the biggest use case, the two biggest use cases for VR headsets to this day have been enterprise and like you know, modeling, three D modeling, and stuff like that, and then gaming. Right. Like the, those are those are two, the two big reasons why you would have a VR headset. Um, but let's talk about the spatial computing because this is something the Hololens was actually really pushing yep. right at the beginning. You know, you can you can put a TV up on your wall and not have a TV there. You know, you just put on the headset and there's your TV. And like over here is your your recipes app, so you can wear your Hololens while you're cooking. Yeah. First of all. If you know anybody who has ever worn a HoloLens while cooking, put a comment down below because I need to talk to that person. Anyway, so, uh, but anyway, um, so like, so again, this is not a new concept, but is Apple doing it any better than anybody else? I think. Okay. <laughs> and I, I say I think well, just because, what? No hands on time. We get that. Well, it's not even that I had no hands on time. It's also that mm -hmm. they didn't show it. So mainly okay. what they were showing were 2D apps running in 3D space, right? Right. So <clears throat> what they have done really well is they do spatial anchoring really well, which means that um, if you take a window and you make it float in front of you and it's floating above this exact point in the room, it stays there, right? Right. So you turn you your head around. away, you turn back, that's where it was. That's right. that's where it's still. And, it's and like, like the DJI drone of uh, spatial computing. Gotcha. Yeah. And and like if you use a phone to do this, you will know how much it floats, right? And if you've ever done any AR thing on your phone and you mm -hmm. put an object like if you go to Google and you type in an animal and you put the 3D model in your space, right? Right. That model will float around a little bit. It won't stay right in that rock solid space. If right. you move your phone over to your window and then back to the middle of your living room, that mm -hmm. animal is now not where you put it. It's like a little to the left or a little to the right or maybe a little closer to you or like it doesn't do a good job of keeping it in actual, you know, real space. Right. Where and, you put it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's spatial anchoring. And that's something it they've wanders. done well. Yeah. And, you know, again, the Quest does this, too. Um, I don't know to what extent this does it better than the Quest because if I set up my three windows in a Quest and I walk out of the room and back in, my three windows are in the same spot. So okay. I don't I don't know like you know like you were saying with a virtual TV on a wall. I don't know how well that will work on this versus a Quest. 
I mean, I know right. the quest knows that that's my wall, and it knows that an object is attached to the wall. Sometimes it floats around a little bit, but typically I don't find that it it has a problem with spatial awareness. Um, mm-hmm. But I know from a lot of people that have used this, they said it felt more solid. And these are people who have used all the headsets, right? These are people who all really know things. what they're talking yes. about. This is not just, you know, maybe generalist tech people who use cars and phones and whatever, right? These are people right. who specialize in VR headsets. Um, and then the other thing that they do, they do really well is virtual uh, interaction, I guess, with real objects. And by that, I mean when you have a window floating and actually casts a shadow on the floor, obviously in your that's view neat. in the headset, not right, in right, right. real life. but Not in reality. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's something the Quest doesn't do. And I think part of that is just plain processing power. Like this, Apple's headset's using an M2 chip. Like this is a right. This is a laptop-grade chip, whereas the thing in the Quest is a, a phone chip. Right, So exactly. we're, we're talking yeah. a pretty pretty large golf in performance. Who knows what the Quest 3 will bring that that way. We know the Quest 3 is like two to three times more powerful, so... Maybe okay. they'll upgrade it for that, you know, and have sort of these drop shadows and stuff. But, yeah, see, I think seeing those little things also helps make it more believable. Because yeah. now, again, oh, totally. you have this thing staying there. You have this thing casting shadows. It feels more real versus, oh, well, that's obviously just a virtual thing floating there. Uh, there's something right. in your brain that makes it click when you have the correct lighting and, and the correct perspective and things like that. You know, back when uh, Microsoft first unveiled the... Um the uh, HoloLens, they had that game where the aliens came crashing through the walls and you had to shoot them back. And I thought, like, honestly, like, the game itself was cool. All the other stuff that they showed was cool. But the fact that when the alien burst through the wall, some of the debris fell onto the real couch and stayed there, like, completely blew my mind. (laughs) Yes. It was just, I'm like, it fell onto the couch, people! Right, yeah, and that's the kind of stuff that, that really helps, you know, again, lend realism to a lot of these virtual objects. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. you know, I, again, just comparing it with the Quest, I've seen uh, some of the Quest 3 demos that, that Zuckerberg showed off 10, 12 days ago, whatever, um, mm-hmm. where they have same kind of thing as a window, a zombie busts through it. He now jumps in and he's standing on the couch before he jumps down onto your floor. Right. So, you know, again, similar kind of, understanding of things in the room and all that sure um but i think one more thing that i I forgot to add is that far as we can tell there's no room setup with the vision pro um now again anybody that's used it only got a 30 minute demo that was curated so who knows how they set this thing up ahead of time right but it seems like this will just automatically scan what's around you and it can understand the relationship because it has 12 cameras and several different sensors that sees stuff right and it knows it knows depth and it knows all those things a quest Mm -hmm. only has four to six cameras uh so you know again it's like you're paying thirty five hundred dollars to get all these extra things that do the same thing but it does them all better (laughs) right exactly so okay well cool um you know what? honestly i think that i think we've covered just about everything that we want to cover and i've, I've kept you about as long as i said i was going to keep you so now let's go ahead and roll out the red carpet for you let everybody know like you know why are you such an expert mr smarty pants no like you know <laughs> you talk about like where they could find you on the internet and what you write about and what you do and and all those thingy dingies 
All right. Um, <laughs> you can find me pretty much everywhere. My name is Guanatu on right. every platform imaginable. It's G-W-A-N-A-T-U. I got okay. it from KOTOR. Whatever. I'll tell you the story another time if I haven't already told you. I think you um, already told us, but anyway. Yeah, I, I thought yeah. I did. I'm like, yeah. I feel like that's always a question that people ask. Um, I am the... I, I work on smartphones and VR at Android Central. I'm the senior content producer there. I had to think of my title, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't tell people every day what it is, so I had to think about it. Titles are um, meaningless. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. Whatever. Um, I've been using VR since the Oculus DK1, which is the first development kit they send out. Um, got that off of eBay with a friend, and you know we played around with it, and um, I covered the launch of the Vive and the original Oculus Rift for Android Headlines, nice. and I've just been writing about it ever since. So, and he's he's arguably the only person that can stand up to me head to head and beat Saber. So I've I've still got him on speed, but he still gets me on technique. <laughs> uh, beat Saber is a fun one. Oh man, I haven't played in months though, so you'd probably kick my ass at this point. I haven't played in months either, so we're right there together. Okay, and I'm, I'm kind of curious. Let's see who's more rusty. <laughs> I'm kind of curious as to a, whether a Facebook will let Beat Saber come to the uh, to the Apple Vision Pro, and b how they're going to make that work when you don't have controllers and you just have to do ninja chops. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm really curious about how far it can see your hands because again, it has 12 cameras, which is right double the number that we know the Quest Three has, which is already yeah. three times the number the Quest Two has. So. <laughs> Like, how far back can you reach your hands? Because I know when you're doing Beat Saber and slicing, you're moving your hand up pretty high sometimes. Yeah. Pretty low sometimes. And you're not thinking about if your headset can see them. You're just doing your thing, which, again, is why controllers can be important for those things. Right. Um, But, yeah, like I said, it you know, Meta launched uh, Beat Saber on the PSVR 2 a couple weeks ago. Yeah, so and, there's. It's not like it has a problem with competing platforms, but right. I mean, that, let's just let's just say that Apple has a or, or Facebook has a very special place in Apple's um, <laughs> in Apple's yeah. personal hell. <laughs> so, yep. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, they don't have the best like, of relationships. No, they they sure don't. They sure don't. They go together like peanut butter and pens oil. But all right, so let's go ahead and <laughs> wrap wow. this up. Yeah, with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this episode of the Benefit of the Doubt podcast. Please, please consider subscribing to this podcast if you enjoyed it. And if you really enjoyed it, I would love it if you would write a review for the show. And if you're watching this on YouTube, click that subscribe button and smash that bell so you can be notified of new episodes and reviews as they drop. And if you want some early access, jump on to Patreon at patreon.com slash benefit of the doubt. I'd like to thank co-producer Cliff for all of his hard work behind the scenes. But most of all, and as always, I'd like to thank you for listening and for giving us the benefit of the doubt.